So hi everybody. Today we are discussing the power of people with Maxine Hart, who is the director of a recruitment consultancy called Wake Street People. She is also regional director for Team, which is a recruitment agency association, a trustee for the M3 Job Club and Basingstoke iTech and an enterprise advisor supporting students across Hampshire with apprenticeships and career choices. Welcome, Maxine. So we were going to kick off today talking about people power. People are our strength is your company motto. But shouldn't this be the case for all organisations? Definitely. If you think about it, no matter how good your product is or your service, it's the people who deliver it. Mm. And that's a message we try and get across with our recruitment process, the consultancy side of it. Your staff are a walking, talking advert 24-7, 365 days of the year, whether it's to people who are going to join the business or what you sell or service. It's absolutely key. Mm. Many industries are experiencing candidate shortage issues. Where are companies going wrong in terms of their recruitment? How should they be looking um, at a wider environment? It's not just about the job role. I think a lot of times that people just think that they can contact a recruitment agency, give them a job spec, and that's it. But, But it's much wider now, isn't it? Very much so. I think there's a perception that the ideal candidate is out there. And as an industry, the, re- the recruitment industry doesn't always help itself by saying they've got, oh, um, just the person, they'll be wonderful. I actually ban superlatives when it comes to candidates because it, they don't necessarily describe the skill set. Um, but there's a term within the recruitment industry and we call them the unicorn candidate so your client will come to you with an ideal of what they think they want to fit the company at that moment in time that ideal may or may not exist but if companies actually look at the broader spectrum and maybe almost do like a SWOT analysis of where the weak spots are, Mm. then you can start to take the blinkers off and look at that wider pool of candidates. Because if you say, right, I need somebody now, you're limited to the pool of candidates who are either looking or who are available now. If you constantly have in the back of your mind that you might recruit and wave a magic wand and always have a bit of a budget set aside for that, then you'll have your pick of the crop and actually be able to approach people to bring them on. That's how headhunters work. Mm -hmm. They're constantly looking for their clients for the best talent that may or may not be available. Yeah. And that then ties into your inclusivity and your diversity. So you're not having to do tick box exercises. You accidentally have this much wider, diverse population that should actually reflect the population that you sell to. Definitely. 
So how has the candidates need changed over the last 10 years? I mean, we've seen a real rise in people don't just take a job because of the the job and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's about the environment and the people they're working, the culture that within the organization. So what's now the most important elements to a job for candidates? It can still vary, but the last 10 years, they're seen, we've seen a lot of change. We've gone from the finance crash through to a pandemic. And everybody talks about millennials and Gen Z. To be honest with you, I don't know where they merge and where they separate. <laughs> I'd just like to try and treat people as people. But more so as a society, we understand self-worth more. We understand that work is a business transaction. Hopefully, we're long gone for being grateful for the job and tugging our forelock for, oh, thank you for giving me the job and, and that sort of mindset. How it's changed for candidates is that they're more confident in negotiating what they want, mm. particularly over the last two years, because they've had time with their families and at home to think, actually, 60 hours a week and 30 of those on a train into London being forced into sort of like this model whereas I can do all that from home and more mm. so I think it's this reassessment and the confidence to actually go well yeah I'd quite like to work for you but here's my shopping list mm. here's what I want from you it's not just about what the employer wants from then this is much more transactional now so so the employer needs to be a lot more open so rather yeah. than the employee having to ask is flexible working an option that should be very clear not just from the job description but showing that within the way that they work maybe on social media posts mm-hmm. um in you know blogs that they're doing as well yeah, especially as this, there's so many rules around interviewing about what you can and can't ask mm. around family situations and care situations and things like that. But the more open and honest that companies are and back it up, there's no point in saying you're going to offer flexible working and then decide that flexible working is actually you can finish at 4.30 instead of 5 on a Friday. Mm. That's not flexible working. It's about being honest and open and having that adult conversation really yeah in terms of sort of the office environment because lots of companies still do have offices has the requirement within the office changed so in terms of decor that people no longer want to work in some grungy office actually if they walk in and I don't know there's a problem getting a car parking space when they go for Mm. their interview and there's maybe a funny smell or something in the reception area these are sort of other things that people should be looking at and assessing in the recruitment process so if they're having problems getting candidates Mm -hmm. that people that the aesthetics of of an office or working environment is a lot more important yeah when we coach candidates particularly if you mentioned earlier that I'm a trustee of the M3 job club Mm. so we say research who you'd like to work for go out look at the website google news stories about them having that perception of somebody before you apply to them having said that 
it can still be industry led because obviously in a marketing agency or you can have the creatives on the wall and things. But if it's a factory floor, you're still going to get that. But that doesn't mean to say that you can't have a culture where anybody who walks through reception goes, oh, hi, has anybody come to see you? Mm. So it, it can it's not always about the decor, but sometimes it's about the feel of a company. Mm. We also coach candidates that when always arrive in reception early. And if there's um, anybody manning reception, chat to them because they'll know everything about yes. the company. And we know that interviewers will often come back down and go, what did you think? Mm. What did they chat about? Did mm. they seem nervous? So that, it's that first impression, isn't it? So if you do have a, a receptionist, then it may be quite good to include that within the recruitment yeah. process. Very much. To actually or give in, them some training and make sure that they do understand what your values are, yeah. what your mission statement is, where the business is going, who the top people are within the company. Exactly. Or even if you're walking people through a department, mm. just say, as I walk people through, why not give me your opinion? You, mm. you know, involve the team because let's face it, they're the ones they're going to be working with. So there is a high cost to taking mm -hmm. on a new employee. So that can include their salary, training time, recruitment fees. So how does an employee ensure they have chosen the right person? Right. It, it's really difficult because let's face it, you don't always choose the right person when you marry for the first mm. time. How can you guarantee that you're going to choose the right person when you employ them? It's about making a robust process as much as you can do. And that might mean that you have several meetings and maybe even different types of meetings. But do your research around one another. Look for people on social media, on LinkedIn, see how people, if they're going to have access to your customer base, how do they sound on the phone? How do they perform on a, a Zoom interview? For years, there's been trade tests. If you're a hairdresser and you go for a job, part of your interview is performing a haircut mm. or a colour. More and more companies are looking at assessment days mm. and do that because you'll see how somebody interacts with other people, how they prioritise their workload. Interviews can be very false environments. Yeah. And Could also you... to see if that person fits in with your team as well. Exactly. Could you imagine marrying somebody after one meeting? Mm. You know, and this is all about relationship building. And let's face it, we spend more time with these people often than we do with our friends and family at home. Mm. so make sure that the process is robust and align it to your business model so if your mm. business model is all about people make the process about people if it's yeah. all about process and innovation then explore that yeah. through the interview process I think also within an interview situation you have to remember that you've got one mouth and two ears mm -hmm. and you need to use them in that order Definitely. So, you know, listening to that candidate, what they're saying, don't take over the conversation too much because you want to have those questions in place so you can extract the information that you need as well. Yeah. When we train our consultants 
on recruitment interviews, as in our registrations and exploration interviews, we say that the candidates should be doing 70% of the talking. And it's the same in a work interview as well. It's one of the reasons why we're going to be looking at providing interview training for our clients. Now, that might sound a little bit daft from a recruitment agency, but ultimately we don't make the final decision. What we do is we provide a shortlist for our clients to interview. So we want to make sure that they've got all the tools at their disposal to help them make that right decision the first time. Mm. What about tools like disk profiling? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, we like profiling, whether it's disk or 16 personalities, there's a whole range on the market. But what it can do, it can just give you a base to start from, mm. particularly if, say, you're looking for somebody who's very interactive and good at building rapport with people, their CV looks a little bit beige, but their job title suggests they may not be. It just gives you a base to start asking questions from so that you're, you're asking those right questions. And also, if there's um, something that looks counterproductive to what you're recruiting for, often that conversation can give you far more information mm. than somebody just saying, oh, yes, I can do that and I'm very good at it. I quite like DISC in the fact that it can show different working behaviours. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it can show the working behaviour under stress as well and how somebody's personality can change. Because yeah. obviously if somebody's personality is, I don't know, very placid, for example, and then when they get stressed, they become uh, a lot more dominant, that yeah. could then have an impact within the team as well. So we always use DISC when we recruit. Mm -hmm. We don't base the final decision on it, but it can answer questions or doubts that yeah. you may have. Yeah, we use DISC internally as well for recruitment, but also for appraisals. Mm. Because the nice thing about DISC is somebody's profile will change over time. Mm. So you can start to manage their ex expectations in the company. And that works really well. What three tips? could you provide um, to an organization that they could implement before hiring uh, your recruitment services that would increase the probability of attracting top talent? My first tip would be make sure you need somebody. Look at your organizational chart. What are the gaps? What are you looking to fill? If Janet's leaving, why is Janet leaving? The fact that Janet's been with you for 15 years, she's still doing the same job. Mm. So once they've actually made sure that is a vacancy, what is the vacancy? Is it a complete replica? Do you want to grow something? Are you going to have a shimmy about and actually perhaps create a space elsewhere? And Yes, a job description is very important. We need to know the skill set that, you know, people are looking to recruit for. But a person spec can be just as important. And I'm not saying that you're saying, oh, well, we want um, this gender and this height and, and so on. But a person spec in so much as, do you need a carer within your team? Do you need somebody who is a shoulder to cry on? Do you need a driver, somebody who actually is going to put a bit of a rocket up the team and really get them going? 
so definitely look to see, you know, is there a requirement? What do you need to fill that? And the third tip would be have an open mind, particularly if you do go to a recruitment consultancy. Because if you say, actually, we'd like a Janet clone, and they say, do you know what, John would be really good for your business. Don't immediately say no if they're not of the mould. There'll be a reason why they're thinking out of the box for you. And it might be that John brings a whole new bag of tools with him. So I would say, make sure that there is a vacancy there. Tie down the skill set and the culture fit that you need and have an open mind. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Maxine, for taking part. So if you do have any recruitment requirements, you can contact Maxine at Woke Street People. So that's www.wokestreetpeople.co.uk. So thank you very much, Maxine. Thank you.